Welcome everyone. Good morning, Chair City Church. How you doing today? Oh, good. You look good out there, you know, even under the lights. I hope I look as good as you. Nice to be back in here. want to welcome everybody to week four of our current teaching series called The Lord Prayer. Lord's Prayer, as you know. And we've been going through this series, week four, and we've been looking into how Jesus taught his followers, his disciples, how to pray. He gave them this model, not something that would be a word-for-word way to go before God. As we said in week one, that wouldn't be, you know, like erroneous, but it wasn't the intent. The intent was to say, hey, when you go before God and, and talk to God, this is a, these are the things you want to include in that communion, that talking to God. This is what's most important as you go before God, your Father in heaven, and speak with him. And so hence the name of this series, The Lord's Prayer. And I want to begin today by reading those words that Jesus gave to his disciples over 2,000 years ago. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13. In this manner, therefore pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Right? Now, so the prayer is, these, is really compromised of seven requests, if you will, or petitions as some people call them. In other words, Jesus is saying include these seven kind of elements when you pray. In week one, we covered the first request. And that was, may your name be hallowed. May your name be holy. Right? In week two, we covered the second and third request, your kingdom come, may your will be done. And last week, we talked about the fourth request was give us this day our daily bread. And today, we're looking at the fifth request, and that's forgive us our debts, which means forgive us our sins. So today, we're going to talk about forgiveness. And I know we're talking about forgiveness because I didn't sleep well last night. And anytime I'm talking about forgiveness, I've noticed I don't sleep well the night before. I get almost no sleep. It's such a, you know, it's just such a disturbing subject. It really is. Of anything I preach on, when when it comes to forgiveness, I've noticed within myself and within those I preach to, it really kind of is unnerving, if you will. It's unsettling, I believe. Uh, and I think that speaks to the seriousness of it and also the importance of talking about it. So, and it's, it's, a, it's just so difficult, forgiveness. You hear the word and different things resonate within you. I think, I think we put up these kind of filters and we begin to try to categorize different things and we begin to scramble and, and put our, our mind and our hearts you know, in order to know what we can start to phase out like, well, we ain't even going to go there, right? It's a difficult thing. Forgiveness was extraordinarily difficult for me. I still am working through this whole thing of forgiveness. It was one of the things I, I, it caused me to shun Christianity in the church, one of them amongst me, but maybe, maybe most of all second to only my getting over my crazy mind, if you will, which probably contributed to that. I grew up in a culture where, you know, to, to seek revenge was revered. If you were a person who would risk everything and do anything for, for revenge, you were thought highly of. So forgiveness, it wasn't even palatable. And I know aside, maybe that now, maybe I came from an exaggerated culture in that aspect, but I just think forgiveness is something we struggle with so much. 
And yet it's so important to our spiritual growth. To do so, we grow exponentially in our relationship with God and, 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 and in, in, in our spirit. To not to do so causes us to be deprived of spiritual growth, causes us to carry unnecessary and unwanted burdens, maybe that we're not even aware of. So let's just talk about forgiveness today, okay? And hang in there with me. Don't run away. Don't shut down. Don't think, well, you know, this is for somebody else. Don't think, well, I'll take care of this another day. I'm believing that today's your day where you're going to conquer something that's been dogging you, that's been eating away at you in your marriage, in your relationships, and maybe today's a day where you're going to grab that sucker and you're going to start wrestling with it. You're just going to start doing some serious battling, some serious spiritual warfare with that thing that has no place in your heart, huh? This unforgiveness. So look, Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, first he tells us, I must remember that my sin creates a spiritual debt, and that debt must be paid. Now the word, there's this word called, uh, I'm just going to botch it up. I, I hope there's nobody Greek in here, but I'll, I'll make believe it's oh, familiar. I, I said it in an Italian way, so I blew it, but oh, <laughs> I have a hard enough saying my own language. I'm going to say this stuff, man. Ophilima. It's a Greek word, and that was the original language that we that translated to the word debt. What it means there in the original language was a spiritual debt, not a financial one, but a spiritual debt, meaning that when we sin, it translates to a spiritual debt with God. There are several words, you know, that bring meaning to the word sin. One is to miss the mark. Uh, one talks about intentional, unintentional. I'll get ahead of myself. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But right now we're talking about a spiritual debt that one owes to God because they've disobeyed him, because they've uh, turned from him. And that must be paid. That spiritual debt must be paid. And if not, there are very steep consequences. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end... It results in death. So sin brings death. Now that's, that's bad news. Now here's the good news though. Because God loves you. Park your brain on that one. God truly loves you. He gave a substitute to die in your place and my place. And that substitute is Jesus. And in his love for us, Jesus took our place. He died for our sins and he died in our place to remove us from the debt that we would owe to God. And as I say, this has got to resonate in you. It's got to mean something in you because it was intended to. Because truly, there's nothing greater that's been done for you ever than that. So in your darkest moment, in your most difficult days, in your seemingly most hopeless moments, you've got to allow your mind to be wrapped around this truth that Jesus has paid the price for your sins. Someone has to pay the penalty for our sins. It's a must. Now, you can pay for it with an eternity in hell. These are bad words. Hell, sin, I get it. In our culture. But it's true. Or you can have faith in what Jesus has done for you, what he did for you on the cross. You can ask God to forgive you of your sins and believe, truly believe, that they have been charged to Jesus' account that he has taken on your sins. And that can float your boat. That can make you feel warm and fuzzy. That can just humble you to a point where nothing else just is above that. That's paramount. So anything anyone does to you, 
Anything that comes into your life has to go through that filter first. The next thing Jesus told his followers about forgiveness, words found in Matthew 6, 6 verses 11 through 12. He says, speaking to us and me, I must recognize my daily need for forgiveness. This is a big deal. You know, it's so important that we really get this, that we must recognize our need for forgiveness. I think this escapes many of us, more so people that have been around this thing we call Christianity. Now, I get it. If, if you're not in the faith, well, obviously, it's, it's escaped you, right? I know it did me before I came into the faith, but I, when I came in, when, that, that was one of my break, you know, breakthroughs when I realized, man, I, I do need to be forgiven. Wow, the way I'm living is apart from God. Something's wrong here. Then I really, I kind of went after it with everything. You know, I didn't want to face things. I didn't want to deal with things for the longest time, this thing called forgiveness, you know. Uh, I struggled deep with it. I didn't want to have these open conversations with God. But when I did, I got it, and it sent me on a never, just really, it's a never-ending journey. I'm 22 years into it, and every year I see other things I need to ask God to forgive me of. You know, it's strange. You know, when you, the thing that used to keep me from God was... Uh, as I said before, it just would give me headaches. I would think about what I would have to change in order to start going to church all the time and, and in order really to, to start becoming a, a Christian, you know. Uh, I'd have to give this up. I'd have to change that. I'd have to stop doing that. All these things. And, and yet it was so much more than that. As, as, as I came in, the, the more I talked to God, the more He opened up things. That, that was so disruptive in my life. So we, we want to be able to recognize our daily need for forgiveness. Verse 12 begins with the word end. And what it's saying is, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That means, the, that means end means it connected to the verse before, which tells us for us to be praying for our daily bread, our daily provisions. So it's a daily thing. Pray for your provisions. Pray that God would meet your needs. Pray for your spiritual provisions, but pray also for your need to be forgiven every day. James chapter 3, verse 2 says, we all stumble in many ways. We at City Church say, man, we stumble, we fall, we sin, we fail, but we get up and we go, right? If you fall, fall forward, keep going, turn to God, knowing that you have your friends around you that are going to come alongside of you and just be graceful and kind and move forward with you, right? We're not here to condemn one another. We're not here to judge one another. We're not here to turn around and get on each other. We're not here to turn around and, and, and give a nice smile, oh, God loves you, but then slowly distance ourselves from you and marginalize you. That's not what we're about. We're truly about grace because we're about God, yes? And you want to have that environment so people have this desire, this, they, they almost have this, I don't know, this courage to just come before God, as the Scripture says, with a boldness, and a confidence, this expectation before the throne of God, knowing you're going to receive forgiveness. Now, the Bible speaks of two categories of sin. At least for this sermon it does, anyway, right? And, and I think we're guilty of one or another, and sometimes both, ready? Every day. Every day, I think you and I are guilty of one or two of these categories, sometimes both. The first category is what we call unintentional sins. These are the sins we commit that we don't even know we're committing, right? 
David describes these kinds of sins in Psalm 19, verse 12. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart cleanse me from these hidden faults? Wow, in other words, there are sins that we don't realize that we were committing. Like I said before, my, my big hurdle was to coming into Christianity. I'm like, wow, you know, I, I, I get some of this thing what people are saying, and it, it seems to resonate in me. And then when I'm, when I'm kind of around these people, and again, I had a wonderful church, a people, a group of people, and, and, I'm, and I'm hearing these things, it, it just, I feel better, man. But, but, to get, but to stop doing these things that I, you know, that I knew I was doing was just so hard. But then I, then I did it. I, I said, oh, you know what, I'm going to do it. I'm going to stop doing all these things that I know are not right before God. I mean, I just know it. I don't even need to read the Bible. I know it. <laughs> right? And then you know what happened when I did that? And I started coming close. At first I felt great. I started coming close to God. And then, oh, my God, I saw all these other things I'm not supposed to be doing. And not only that, people were so kind enough to tell me, but I just started coming to my conscience like, oh, I can't think that way. And like, I knew like every month, every week, there's something that's, that was coming to me that I should not be doing, that I wasn't aware of. And it's, that's been a lifelong journey. Paul said, the Apostle Paul, St. Paul, he said, I am the chief of all sinners. He says that in the Bible. He wrote it down. Why was he saying that? What he's saying is, man, the closer I get to God, the more I am intimate with my God, the more I see that which is not right in me. And is that a bad thing? That's a wonderful thing. <laughs> and then, by God's Holy Spirit, by Him enabling me, and empowering me, and filling me with courage and peace, I go for it. And that's it. You, you kind of like, if you ever play, you know, if you ever shoot basketball, baseball, whatever, whatever you do, there's this ultimate thing you do. Golf's a hole-in-one, whatever it is. When you, when you trust God, and, 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 you, and God reveals to you something that's not right in your life, that maybe you unintentionally were sinning, you didn't realize it was a sin, and then he says, oh, it is, and you, you just let that settle in, and then you tackle it, you do battle with it, you overcome it, you get to the other side of all that, and that's peace and joy. Man, you, you know, it's, you, you get kind of addicted to that, you know? It's a great high. You just love that feeling, that look what I can do, look what God can do in me. Man, this was so much better than that. Unintentional sins. The second category of sin is what we call intentional sins. When we know something is wrong and we choose to do it, Anyway, David spoke of these sins in Psalm 19, verse 13, when he says, keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. These deliberate sins, they do. They control us. They controlled me. They control you. Huh? Basically, what we've said is, listen, I need to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm doing this. This is what's best for me. This is what's dry. And more than you realize, it's a driving factor in your life. And it is controlling you, and it's manipulating your life. So either way, every day, one or the other, we're committing these unintentional or intentional sins. Now, some of you right now are kind of discounting what I'm saying. You're dismissing it. You know, you're saying, Dave, I don't, I don't sin every day, you know? I, I mean, I, I probably sin every now and then. I mean, I have a bad week here and there, and maybe uh, I, I do it a few months. I don't actually sin every day, you know? And I think... 
we do that, especially you very mature Christians. And if it sounds like I'm mocking you, it's because I'm mocking you. <laughs> because you, you, we really tend to, us uh, Christians who've been in the game for a long time, we tend to really lessen the seriousness of what I call the sins of omission. So sins of commission are things that you should not do. God has said that's a bad thing. Don't do it, man, you know? That's a sin of commission. You've committed that act. A sin of omission is when God's called you to do something good. He's called you. He's made you to be able to do that. He's resourced you. Man, he's dropped that need right in your lap, huh? And you say, you know, I'm going to check out on this one. I'm not going to do it. You've omitted from doing it. It's a sin of omission, right? You'll, often you'll hear me say, let's put some legs on our prayers. <laughs> what I'm saying is, you know what? This need has come before you for me. And, you know, it's good that we feel compassionate about it. Good. And, and it's good that now we begin to pray about it better. Let's put some legs on those prayers. Let's take some action to that. Let's get going, right? Let's involve ourselves with our time, our money. Let's do this, right? Let's put some legs on our prayers. Let's make that food and bring it to that person. Let's give that person out live. Let's get involved in that person's life. Let's put up with that person's nonsense, you know, and just pray to God, God, tie my hand spiritually behind my back. I'm going to just pop them in the head the next time they do that. All right, I think that. Maybe you don't think that. I really do think that. Um, but that's legs on our prayers. I'm sure some of you think about doing it to me as well. Okay. <laughs> but that's, that, that's putting legs on our prayers, huh? You know, I, on Monday, Labor Day, I, I get a call, and I get a contact, and it's from a person, and they're, uh, they're, in, they're in despair, you know? And... Uh, it's not exactly how I planned out my Labor Day, you know. Uh, and, I, and at first I didn't really pay mind to it. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, sometimes people just blow up and, you know, give them a few, give them a half hour, and they'll go on to something else. And that actually does happen sometimes. But no, hour later, I, I need help. I need help. And what they wanted was, they'd come to the end, they wanted to go into a drug rehabilitation center. And... Uh, and they actually had gone through my, I started going back and forth with them, they actually had secured a bed in a facility in Worcester. And so I'm sitting and thinking, okay, how am I going to do this? I have some other things, responsibilities. What, what am I going to do here? And I said, you know what, let's do this. And I made some calls and I got three people to join me in what I call a mission. I call them missions, right? Uh, the first person had some things to do that day. They had tasks, personal tasks. As I started talking to them, they began to open up, and it turns out they were really in a down place. They were kind of really struggling with themselves that day. And my answer to them in talking to them was, I got something, I got an opportunity for you. <laughs> How would you like to go and help this person? And you know, they bought into it. They bought into it, and they said, you know what, I'll do it. And then I got another two people, they're a couple, man and a woman. They were actually doing the American thing on Labor Day. They were out there, and they were in a, mall, and she was buying shoes, right? <laughs> so, and, and, and they bought into it, and they said, you know what, we're, we're on board, we'll help. And, and then and I told them what they had to do, you know, all the instructions, where the person was, it was a, a, a boarding house, or, a, you know, just one of those where you pay by the day, and uh, where they would have to take them, 
and we contact the place there, make sure everything's legit, there's a lot of things you gotta go through. And, and you know, they, they did. and then I told them all, you know what, when you're done, come up to my home, Christian and I just want you to come by, we'll have a barbecue. And then we just started like inviting different people here and there, all people we thought would be kind of connected to this and blessed by this, right? And you know, I'm confident that when the day ended, they didn't feel one bit less of that. Huh? I'm confident that they felt so good that they didn't commit the sins of omission. We never think we do, right? So the person who has would never think, well, you know what, I got some things to do today. I got to, you know, fix my lomo. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do this. You, you never think, oh, that's a sin. But Jesus says it is. The Bible, it's a sin of omission. Yeah. I mean, really. I, I, I'm going to tell you, I did not want to help. I don't. I've, I mean, I've made, I got my music. So once I get my music and pancake, but I'm, I'm done, man. I'm there, okay? Van Halen, pancakes, you know, I'm, I'm good. And now it's like, okay, I, I, I got I to like, engage this. I mean, this is intense stuff, right? And then I got to see it through once I engage it, right? And I figured, okay, me and Chris are going to be heading down to Worcester. <laughs> and, you know, it, it could be three hours. It could be like ten hours. We've had them. In this case, it was a few hours. I'm confident those three people felt so much better. Just watching them there at the barbecue, I'm telling you. Out of, actually, the guy came up to me, and he said, you know what, I just want to thank you. She was just about to pull the trigger on a $42 pair of boots, and you got me out of there, man. I'm not, that's actually what he told me. So I'm telling you the truth. You, you, I'll tell you afterwards. You come up to me, I'll tell you. <laughs> but I can tell you, he's in trouble right now. So just look at somebody perspiring. <laughs> i tell you what, he, we know where he'll be this afternoon. He'll be at the mall, right? <laughs> Buying some shoes. So, look, look, so we want to recognize both of these sins of commission, sins of omission. Now, you might be thinking, you know, hey, I've a... Uh, Look, you know, okay, maybe, but, you know, maybe, but what if I want to have these days where I don't sin or I don't think I've sinned? Well, for those one or two days over the course of 10 or 15 years that you might have, if you're being sincere, the Bible gives us these instructions. We see in the life of David. David prays in Psalm 139, verse 23 through 24. It is one of my most cherished verses in the Bible. He says, search me, O God. David is being persecuted. He's being hunted unjustly. He's being mistreated by his enemies. All this in the course of him honoring God, and this is what's happening to me. He's been, he's been alienated from his friends and family. And this is what he says, hiding out in a mountain somewhere. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. You see, if you pray that, and there's something there, and it likely is, and with all the muck and the mess in this world, it's going to surface. If there's something that's not right between you and God, that's displeasing to God, it's going to come out. And when it does, what do you do? You confess it. You claim it. You confess it. You ask for forgiveness. And now you are on the better end of it. I do it, you know, a few times a week, maybe more. I've told you. I'll, if I see a scripture... I see them all the time, but meaning I'll lock and load on a scripture sometimes, and I'll say, okay, God, 
when I read these words, what do I see in these words that compel me, that prompt me, inspire me to ask forgiveness of you? So when I read that, have I been greedy this week? Have I been lustful this week? Or this day? Have, have I been hurtful? Have, have I been distrusting? Have I been... What? Wow, when I read that verse, what in it just pops out at me and says, Dave, you need forgiveness in this area, in your life, in your walk with God. That has served me so well in my life. There are times in those moments where God has given me this gift, this gold nugget of clarity that I would never have gotten on my own. My, my own thinking, the narrative that I have in my head, it would not have pushed through that. But God, Holy Spirit, boom, drops it right on me in that moment and says, it's right here. This is what you need to truly ask for. And sometimes he does it, and I'm not exactly ready for it. I don't know if I'll get to that in this sermon, but either way, I know it now, and I can start confessing and getting on it. All right? Now, I want you to know this. When you're sinning and asking for forgiveness... If you have somebody who trusts God, who believes in God, I want you to write this down. I do not lose my salvation every time I sin. We don't. I think some people think that by the way they govern themselves and they walk with God. Maybe that's why they think, you know, they don't want to go through all of this. John chapter 1 verse 12 says, But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. The moment we place our trust and our faith in Jesus to forgive us of our sins, the Bible says we become children of God, and children have a father, and God becomes our father. Now, when we sin, we do damage the relationship. We might fracture it. We might cause some distance. Absolutely. But we never stop having a father. We never do. And he's a merciful, gracious father. So we ask God to forgive us our sins. We're not being saved a second time or a fifth time. We're not starting from scratch. That's not what's happening. We're just now, we're mending a relationship. We're healing. Uh, we're investing more of ourselves into this relationship. We read in the third chapter of Matthew with John the Baptist and his ministry that people would come to him and he would, and he would preach this message of confessing of sins and he'd baptize people in water. And he would say, though, that you've confessed your sins... And he would talk to people about confessing their sins and not showing evidence of it in their life. Matthew chapter 3, verse 8 says, Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. In other words, let your actions follow your words. When you go, and I would play that game with God, like, okay, I think he's telling me something and he's bringing it to my head. But if I acknowledge it, then he's going to know that I'm going to know that, <laughs> you know. So I'm not going to go there. Because then once I actually, like, acknowledge it's there and confess it, well, now i got to do something about it. I do. This is, how, this is my uh, conversation with God here. My, you know, it's going on in my head. We don't want to go there. We're depriving ourselves of a closer, more intimate relationship with God. We're depriving ourselves of living out in a greater way the way God made us. We must confess our sins and there must be evidence in our lives that we are confessing our sins and that our lives are changing. Notice I said we've changed our life. Our life isn't a perfect life. It's just a changed life, right? The greatest of all confessions, though, and the one that really will empower you and get you going to do all this, the one that I made, it's, it's really, it's, it's what started my first really meaningful personal conversation with God, and to this day, I often will do it, from time to time, any given a few months, I'll just start crying out. 
and I'll just confess this, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. So if you need God to take away your sins, if you need God to cleanse you from your sins, if you need God to get rid of that stuff, and you do so you can have those great endings, then you need today to ask God for forgiveness. I mean, deep down, intimately, just put it out there. He knows, you know. <laughs> I'm a pastor, you know. It's funny, I used to have this thing with, I'd toy with that, you know. It's like, you know, it's like, hey, you know, she'd say, well, you know, God knows everything. I'd say, well, if he knows everything, then what do I got to confess anything if he knows everything, you know? I don't find all these smart ways uh, to get around it, you know? Like, I'm just not going there, you know? I'm so glad I did. And this morning, I'm inviting you to come there and confess your sins to God. Lord, I need you. So get this. God will forgive you. And since he's providing this wonderful gift of forgiveness, which is attached to, has this like benefit called eternal life, he asks us to do something. It, he attaches us to confessing our sins to him, right? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. <laughs> he, he says, okay, I want you to now forgive those who have wronged you. God asks us to forgive those who have done wrong to us. And he tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. He goes on to say in Matthew 6, verses 14, through 15, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, others, your Father will not forgive your sins. One of the hardest verses in the Bible, I believe. If you refuse, refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. Okay, so God is saying, look, I'm looking for your, I'm going to put a gentle word here, cooperation, huh, on this me forgiving you thing, huh? I want you to forgive those who have wronged you, who have hurt you, huh? Really hard to do this. And here's the point about why you need to seek God daily. And, you, and, and, and here's how it can be so subtle. Uh, I'm watching the time. Okay, let's go. Yeah, okay. So we go to Virginia Beach, me and my family. We went not last week, but the week before. And uh, we're not talking about something going down here. You see... There's a person, and I want to be careful so I'm not being revealing, there's a person who lives in Virginia Beach that is very, very special to me and Christy. She was immense, uh, I'm messing up with the gender there. They were, she was immensely instrumental in Christy's life spiritually and in us coming together as well. Well, she wound up going in, into divorce with her husband. The, the couple as a whole were very close to me and Christy, separately and then together. They both were so meaningful to us. Maybe in ways you might consider me to you. And you know, she left her husband. And the way it went about, I was very bitter the way it came down. Uh, and I distanced myself from her. She contacted us one word answers. I wouldn't call her. And, you know, me, my usual answer was like, wow, 5,000 words, so, you know, one or two words is a problem. And that's like 12 years ago, 11 years ago. And, you know, never contacted her as we progressed, as nothing. I just have distanced myself from this woman because of the way I felt she handled it, in a way, the way she handled it. Uh, and I'm such a force and a presence that that likely caused her to just drop back and not even contact Christy. 
Uh, and I justified this because of what she had done. So she had done something that, without question, was terrible. The other things were my, you know, my assessments of the situation. And so now here we are, we're going out of Virginia Beach, and her name doesn't even come up. And we're talking about everything, you know, I mean, the building and the church and how, what God has done in our lives. And now it's 11, I think it's the second night we're there. It's like 11 o'clock at night, and uh, I'm sitting there. You know, uh, Christy's, uh, I think, laying down, getting ready. She's sleeping. And I start thinking, and I'm just thanking God, and I'm talking to God. And, and it just comes out of nowhere. And I know it has to be of God because it's just so not there, right? And I go back and forth with it, right? And I'm like, okay, fine. Okay, fine, my dear Father in heaven. I, I've got it so built up how she does not deserve anything from me. So I turn around and I, and I go to Facebook, you know, and I pop her out a message. I don't even have a number, but I know she's on Facebook. And I say, okay, she gets back to me before we leave. Well, then we'll see. Bam, like 30 seconds later, she responds back to me. <laughs> so then I, I think, okay, I, I'll have some small talk and maybe she'll come back to me with an attitude or some condescension or, you know, the bitterness that I know she can be in that way. Cause the way and then, boom, I'll be done. But she doesn't. So then finally, I'm like, you know what? Would you like to come and see us while we're here? I would love to. Okay, great, you know? So, of course, Chrissy's laying there sleeping and her deranged husband is going through all this stuff back and forth, planning out her day and her schedule. So, you know, we, uh, we get together with her and she brings her daughter. Who the last time we seen her, she was like the A big. And uh, we had a really nice time. Uh, and, you know, I just saw a person I didn't see circumstances. I didn't see my. I just saw a person across the table, and right away I'm thinking, "Oh, Dave, what'd you do, man? <laughs> what'd you do?" And we're, we're sitting there by the beach. We're having some coffee and some desserts, and the kids are there, and Mike, the daughter's 17, talking to my kids, and and this was all so good. And and the daughter actually really, in, really meaningfully thanked me and Christy. I, I had to hold back my tears. I did because they would have been too much for her. And. Uh, and then they called us back the next morning and said, hey, you know, my daughter, she, she has a volleyball game and uh, the next night, would you guys like to come and see it? It's about an hour away. We took a night, we went to go see the volleyball game and we hung out with her and then we went out for ice cream afterwards. And I said to Christy, I said, my God, I said, what's wrong with me? I said, Christy, you know what really kind of blows me away and kind of scares me? Is that this feels so good. I feel so good right now, Christy. But you know what scares me? Was if it feels this good, it must have been that bad on me. This, I was, I was carrying this, Christy. It was in me. And I was not aware of it. But then as I started thinking and thinking and thinking, I said, oh, God, have mercy, forgive me. Oh, you were trying to talk to me about it. You were trying to speak to me about it. Oh, forgive me for not listening. Forgive me for not confessing this sin. Forgiving me for not letting you get deeper with me, but I'm so glad I did. I tell you, some great things will come from that time. Of, right? of everything of Virginia Beach, we had a blast, right? That was perhaps the greatest part of Virginia Beach. And I do believe wonderful things will come from that, that 10 years from now we'll see God's grace and glory in that situation, yeah? All right, so now we got to kind of go on. So listen, when you're holding a grudge, worship team, why don't you come on up so we could finish out. When you're holding a grudge, you're holding on to something that will hurt you. 
You're just holding on to something that's damaging you. That's why someone came up with this saying, and I'm jumping around here, holding a grudge is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Yeah? <laughs> You're just holding on to unforgiveness. God says forgive others. God says, I'm forgiving you, and I want you to forgive others. And I know there's some harsh stuff that goes on in our lives. Look, sometimes you, you just got to forgive the person, make it right between you and God. And you might not be able to reconcile the relationship because the act is so hideous, but you still need to forgive them. You still need to see them as best you can. Do it as, I mean, just attempt, get out there. I've done that. It's, I do. It's a, I, think, I think it's a process, and I struggle with this. I'm like, well, you know, God, if I'm even, if I, okay, if I'm not forgiving them, or, you know, I haven't forgiven them, and it's not right, but then you're not going to forgive me. And, but Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 15. He says, if you refuse to forgive others, right there, don't refuse there's some sick things that have happened to people here. Some terrible things that have happened to you. I'm your pastor. I know things that have been done to women and to men, things that have happened in your lives, broken promises, molestations, drugs, on and on and on. But listen, just don't refuse, okay? Right now, don't refuse. Stop the way of refusing. Stop fooling yourself. Stop saying, okay, God, Help me. I need you, God, today. I want the great ending. And don't start joining ahead of yourself saying, okay, I don't even want that person in my life. I don't want to see them. We don't have to go there. The great ending is you and God. The great ending is you smiling and right. Because you don't know what you're carrying. You don't know how it's dogging you. You don't know how it's on you. And you won't know till it's gone to say, oh, God, thank you that you took that from me. I'm so glad that's not in my heart anymore. I got a septic tank in my, that big thing you see in my house is, that's my septic tank. It's like a five-bedroom septic tank. I got the biggest septic tank in Westminster. No comments. <laughs> and, and, <there's> a, <laughs> and the tank is so big that what happens is a patch of grass that sits right on top of the tank that nothing ever, ever grows there. Got like the grass green, man. There's a part, when you hold on to that unforgiveness, is her as horrific as the act was or what has gone on, you are carving out a part of your heart and saying, this will not grow spiritually. Part of me, I'm going to hold back on growing spiritually in this area, and I'm going to carry this to, to every relationship, to every occupation, to every nook and cranny of my life. I'm going to carry this, and you don't want to. I'm a better person because of what happened there. You'll be a better person. Why don't you uh, stand with me? So I want you to pray this prayer today. If you need God's forgiveness, I want to invite you to say this private, personal prayer in your heart. God, I want you to become my heavenly father today. I want to become one of your children. I want to accept you deep down inside. I want to be able to speak to you. I want to be able to be honest with me and honest with you. I realize that I do have a spiritual debt going on here and that it has to be paid. And I thank you for sending Jesus, my Savior, to die so that I would not have to. I thank you that I can be aware of this right now and I can see clearly. Please count what Jesus did, his sacrifice, as full payment for my sins. I don't have to go to hell. I can be in eternity forever. And that means so much to me. The next I want you to say this, 
Father, I'm so grateful to know you. I'm so grateful all these weeks and months and years that I've been able to turn to you and talk to you. I'm thankful for your faithfulness in my life. God, forgive me. Have mercy. Help me to begin to lead a new life filled with confession and forgiveness, O God. Lord, let me run to the battle, O God. Let me run to the battle, screaming I need you and confessing my sins all at once, knowing that you are there and are with me and you will take me to a greater place. In Jesus' name, amen.